podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is a proud member of the Fan Hub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with Fan Hub to put fans first. Search Fan Hub app to play your part in the journey. Hello and welcome to the Voices of the Vic podcast with me, Ben Ayton and James Batchelor. We're here to discuss another Watford game and this time we're discussing a clean sheet. Come First on. time Watford kept a clean sheet in a Premier League for how long has it been, James? I can't remember. I know we've had about six managers since our last clean sheet, but yeah, how long ago? I think the run stretches back to obviously, you know, before before we got relegated. I think it was Liverpool, the three 0 win. Um, that's the last time we kept a Premier League clean sheet. So I believe I may have this wrong, but I think it's been thirty one Premier League games since we last kept a clean sheet, spanning over I think two and a half years potentially, which is yeah. which is absolutely mental. Um, but we've kept one. We've kept one against Burnley, and we've got a point on the board. Yes, much needed point on the board as well. And the confidence this clean sheet is going to give the boys as well is going to be vital. Um, but yeah, I, I saw a stat that BT Sport put up during the game and they were saying that Watford was closing in on the record of the most clean sheets by a Premier League club, well, without a, um, a clean sheet in games. Uh, it was West Brom had 34. So like you said, Watford would have been on 31 if it didn't go our way in that game. Um, so it, it's good to... And uh, I can't believe 31 games without a clean sheet. That's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, it, 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 it probably sounds worse than it is. I mean, obviously, it is quite a bad statistic. But you have to remember, obviously, um, we kept plenty of clean sheets in the championship. You know, it doesn't it does include yeah. last season. It, it, is, it does include the season before as well. So probably probably seems worse than it is. But, but obviously, um, regardless of that, it is a really, really terrible statistic. And as you say, we're only, what, two or three away from matching the record that, that West Brom set. So... Thankfully, we didn't. We didn't, you know, beat that record, and we kept the clean sheet against Burnley in, in Roy Hodgson's first game. So for me, it's it's a good way to start. Yeah, massively, and I, I know we've jumped straight into it. Um, so yeah, let's. I'll rewind a little bit. How are you doing, James? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing very well, thank you. Um, obviously, um, I did actually manage to watch most of the game this weekend. I was out in Milton Keynes uh, enjoying myself, which is very, very nice. Um, but I am aware of the result. I've watched the highlights back. Um, and actually, I'm feeling quite positive and quite optimistic about about the rest of the season. Now, obviously, that could all get taken away from me on Tuesday against West Ham. But a draw against Burnley, um, obviously, both teams wanting to win the game. But to be honest, you know, I, I, I would take that. And obviously, a few controversial decisions to discuss as well. So I'm all good. I had a nice weekend. And, and yeah, looking forward to looking forward to talking about the game. How, how are you, Ben? And how was your weekend? Good stuff. Yeah, no, I, I'm all right, mate. I was, I was nervous all day yesterday. I didn't want to watch this game against Burnley. You knew it was going to be a, a dirty game and you heard the weather wasn't nice up north either. Um, and it's it's quite grim up north, especially um, w- without the weather, isn't it? But with the weather <laughs> as well, um, yeah, wasn't nice and fair place for the travelling. What fans who have gone up there yesterday to do that trip? I, I saw some silly... Um, times about trains and you couldn't get a train home after the Burnley game I think it would have taken about 14 hours for you to get home and you would have had to get you would probably arrive back in what for about seven eight in the morning and I don't know why the Premier League do does this to supporters it's we could have sent like more fans up there they, they're probably put off with the train times and it's just the Premier League have got to start looking after their football fans and I just thought that was really poor but yeah all good mate nervous leading up to a Watford game I'm pleased we got the, the point and the clean sheet and then today I've just had a family day I went to my mate's um, daughter's first birthday party which is pretty decent um, Isla loved the ball pit um, <laughs> mate she's obsessed with balls um, we just signed no, her up I've for I've seen a few Instagram stories Ben of, of Isla carrying loads of balls around so, so obviously that's that's her new her new favourite thing it is, yeah. She, it's literally you can't take them off her. Uh, like a new, new favourites. Uh, uh, we've just actually signed her up. Well, we're on the waiting list for little kickers, 
which is like a little football um, lessons that you start them. Um, I think 18 months they, you start and she's 17 months today. So she just walks around the house just kicking balls. So who knows? That's, she a, might good, be that's a good sign, balls. Ben. I think, I think that's a good idea. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not pushing her either. Like she, she just sees a ball and kicks it. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's lovely to see. So, Hopefully, she might be featuring for Watford ladies in the in the near future. So fingers crossed. Uh, maybe get me a few free tickets to watch them play as well. I wouldn't say no. <laughs> but yeah, let's talk about the, the Watford result now. Um, Watford um, travelled up to talk um, Lancashire to Turf Moor um, against the Burnley side, managed by Sean Dyche, and managed to pull off a nil-nil um, draw, which is. I think a point before the game, we would have maybe taken it. Um, James, do you reckon a point before the game you would have taken it? It was a, it was a must-not-lose kind of game. Well, I think every game from now until the end of the season is a must-not-lose. But obviously this game had, had bigger impetus on it because it's Burnley, because they're the team directly below us. If they won the game, they'd go above us and Watford obviously would go to 20th. So, of course, it was a must-not-lose game. I think both teams, you know, obviously wanted to win. But, you know, whenever that happens, when both teams need to win the game, it always kind of ends in, in like a drab, you know, nil-nil draw or a very, very low-scoring game. So, yes, I would have taken a point. Obviously, I um, would have much preferred the win. But, you know, overall, see, seeing how the game panned out and obviously the horrendous weather up north, um, you know, I'll, I'll take the draw. And, yeah, but, you know, I'm, I'm happy with it. You know, I'm not overjoyed. I'm not, I'm not upset. But, you know, I'm very happy with it. Yeah, definitely, especially after the performance at home to Norwich last week or two weeks ago now. The 3-0 pathetic performance that the boys put in um, down tools massively in that game and to see them react. But I, I think it's down to the Roy Hodgson effect. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll just um, say about who started in that um, lineup because there was a few eyebrows raised as to what kind of formation we was going to play. I know Roy Hodgson in his past has favoured the 4-4-2 um, or the 4 2 one formation. Um, so you kind of knew what we were probably going to go away from a 4-3-3, which we have played all season. Um, so the lineup was um, Ben Foster in goal, Kiko Femenia at right back, Craig Kappa and Samir in the middle and um, Kamara at left back. The midfield was Kushka, um, Sissoko, KMB and Ken Semmer and up front was Jao Pedro and Joshua King so looking at that um, I think Watford fans wasn't too sure what we was going to do were we going to be 4-4-2 was we going to be 4-3-3 but it was within a couple of minutes you could tell it, it was it was a 4-4-2 he went with a four across the midfield just to give back the um, defence a bit more protection and you could see that with Kushka coming in on the right, you, you know he's not a right midfield, you know he's not a right winger he's, he's, he's there to do a job defensively Ken Semmer as well, you know what he's going to bring to the side, he works hard he just runs all day. I'll tell you what, um, touching on Ken Semmer quickly as well, I think it was quite evident to a lot of Watford fans that Roy Hodgson um, obviously obviously liked him quite a lot, obviously the comments he made about speaking to him in Swedish, so so actually, for me, on Ken Summer, it wasn't wasn't much of a surprise to to see him starting on on Saturday. Yeah, talking about the lineup, was you surprised by any of them apart from Ken Summer? Like, obviously, you've just said about well, we spoke about it last week about how Roy Hodgson speaks speak, uh, Swedish, and there was um, there was a bit of a. Uh, he, he mentioned it in his interview, didn't he, with Hive Life, saying that he, he surprised Ken by speaking Swedish. And obviously, we've probably got a little bit of a bond now. Um, so, obviously, he probably surprised a lot of Watford fans because he's not really been in the picture for starting at all this season, really. I think he's only started one game this season for Watford. Um, so, Ken Semmer came in. But looking at everyone else in that starting line, anyone else really surprise you? Or was it just that's, that's who's really started for Watford in recent weeks? Uh, I don't think so. I think maybe Kuchka, just because I'm not his biggest fan. And, you know, we've had Zisco, Munoz, Ranieri and Hodgson and, and Kuchka seems to be getting picked under under every manager we have. So yeah. obviously Kuchka in training is must, must be fantastic because personally for me, I don't think he offers enough. But then again, you could argue defensively, he, he offers more than some players. So so probably for me, um, obviously, you know, Semmer hasn't featured much. But for me... Um, you know, I'd, I'd probably rather cleverly started instead of instead of Kuchka. But overall, you know, it's, it's what I expected to see from Roy Hodgson. Nothing majorly controversial, but but a couple of changes here and there to to change it up so ever so slightly. 
Yeah, no, I agree, mate. Um, I, and I think since Roy Hodgson's came to a club, we've, we've heard about how Ray um, Lewington stayed behind for a high life, high life interview and he, he was working on a training ground. And I think they're really getting their plans in place now. They're really getting their ideas across. And they're, they're making, I think they're making the Watford players understand that firstly, before when you enter a pitch, you need to be defensively solid. You need to make it difficult for the opposition. You need to come away with a clean sheet. And I, I think his plans worked perfectly. Um, he made it difficult for Burnley. And look, we came away with a clean sheet at the end of the day. But it, it was a slow start to the game for what? But it took us a while to get into the game. It wasn't until about 15 minutes in. And then we had our first opportunity where it was good link-up play between Joshua King and Joel Pedro. And Pedro uh, cut back inside into the penalty box. But then it was a last-ditch challenge from Tarowski, which was brilliant. Otherwise, Joel Pedro only needed to slot that into the back of the net. But it was, it was, Watford was slowly warming into the game then, but it, it looked like it was just a slow and patient kind of start from Watford. And it was, we knew it wasn't going to be pretty under Roy Hodgson, but first things first was to make sure you don't concede. And I thought Watford dealt really well with Burnley's attack, really. I think there was a little bit of a mistake between Ka- uh, Craig Cathcart at one point where the ball came over the top and he actually slipped on the floor. And um, Weghorst um, was through on goal, but it was great recovery from um, Kiko Femenia to to mop up the pieces there. But I want to talk about um, Kamara quickly, James, because he's been highlighted a lot from Watford fans on social media. And he's actually been given man of a match by a lot of Watford players. And he would be my Watford uh, man of a match as well. Kamara is exactly what we needed at left back. And we should have brought him in in the summer. Uh, but hindsight's a great thing, isn't it, James? Um, but he looks a good, solid addition at left back, doesn't he? He does, Matt. I just think he, he just gets the club, you know, his interaction with the fans on, on social media. Um, you know, That's been brilliant, James, that. hasn't it? He's only been here a couple of weeks, but the interaction he's got with the fans already, you can tell he, he, his heart's in the right place. Absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned we should have brought him in in the summer. And, and obviously, we did bring in a new left back in the summer. That wasn't Hassan Kamara in Danny Rose. And unfortunately, for whatever reason, that's not worked out. But Kamara is here now. Um, he's played, what, two, three games so far. And, you know, to be honest, he's not really made, um, maybe against Norwich, he made that slight error. But but largely overall, he's, he's been absolutely fantastic. And I think, again, against Burnley, he, he showed the quality he has. And to be honest, you know, we've got him for four or five million pounds. He was the starting left back for Nice in, in Ligue 1 in France. And, you know, at the moment, it seems like, it seems like an absolute bargain. So very, very happy with him. Really, really solid defensively. Offers a lot going forward as well, especially on, on the overlap. Um, so, yeah, really happy with his performances and long may it continue. Yeah, talking about Kamara and what he offered going forward, I don't know if you've seen it, James, but that beautiful weighted pass that he put, it slipped in for Joshua King to run in and Josh King ended up being one-on-one. The, the weight of that pass was absolutely superb and it, it was refreshing to see that he actually created the chances like that. Messina, he, you just know what you're going to get with him. It's just long balls into the box. But Kamara, he wanted to keep the ball on the floor and he wanted to get it into Josh King's feet. And I, I absolutely loved that about him. And uh, it was unfortunate Josh King couldn't finish it. He really fluffed his lines there when he got through on golf. I thought it was a yeah, poor attempt. I think, I think with Josh King, in recent, in recent weeks, he's had a few of them one-on-one opportunities. I think against Leicester in the cup, he had a couple. Um, Norwich, he might have had one as well. It just seems like Joshua King at the moment, just, you know, he's just not going his way. And I think the good Confidence thing for me... levels, is that, maybe? Well, I think, I think for me, is he is getting into the positions. He, he is having shots yeah. on goal. Um, unfortunately, for whatever reason, they're not going in. But but hopefully, um, you know, Roy seems to like him. I think he's very, very dynamic. He can hold up the ball. He can win headers. Uh, he's got good pace in behind. So I think Joshua King, hopefully in the next couple of games, um, he, he will start to pick, get get back up to speed and, and start scoring the goals for Watford again. I hope so, mate. At least he's getting in the right areas. And that's all you need to do as a striker. If you get into those right areas, you've got a really good chance of putting the ball in the back of the net. So if, if he wasn't doing that, like we've seen before with the likes of maybe Andre Gray, he wasn't getting into those positions. Um, so you've got to be in those positions to actually um, get the rewards. And it, it will come for Josh King. So I just think maybe at the moment it could be a confidence issue for him. Um, but I, I, I can't really see much of a chemistry between him and Joe Pedro at the moment. I don't know I don't know if they need to play a bit closer together. I know they did link up well in the first half where King slipped in Joe Pedro when he got into a penalty box and then Tawowski came back to 
um, slide it away. But that was about it yesterday. I there was a couple of misplaced passes between them or heavy passes, but hopefully it's like a partnership that's going to flourish in the future and it just needs a time to gel because they've not really played together up front at the moment, have they, James? No, not really. And I think you saw against Norwich, there was a bit of frustration as well. I think Josh King um, put a misplaced pass into Jao Pedro and, and Pedro had a go at him. So, I mean, it's, it's what you want to see, really. It's, it's, it's competitive football players, you know, wanting wanting to play as, as good as they can. And, you know, obviously with that comes little arguments, comes little fights. But I think that's, you know, part and parcel of football, part and parcel of life um, in general. So, you know, to be honest, I don't, I don't think we should be too concerned. And actually, you know, if, if they both get firing and, and both, get playing at the top of their game, um, you know, a Jao Pedro and Joshua King partnership up front could be could be lethal for Watford. And imagine you've got Ismail Asar and, and Dennis uh, down the flanks as well. I mean, that, that could be really, really dangerous. So I think patience, Ben, really. And, you know, hopefully in the next couple of weeks with Saar coming back from, from AFCON, Dennis back from suspension, um, you know, that, that could be really, really important for us going forward. Exactly that, mate. We, we got a nil-nil draw away at Burnley without... Two of our best players, if you think about it, no Ismail Assar, no Emmanuel Dennis. Um, as as we're recording now, James um, Emmanuel uh, Ismail Assar starting for Senegal in the African Cup of Nations game against Egypt. Um, I'm not watching the game at the moment, James. You got it on? You know what the score is? Has he scored yet? Well, I do have the game on, and Senegal about five minutes ago were awarded a penalty, um, which the goalkeeper saved. Um, uh, so there we go. At the moment, nil-nil, uh, Senegal versus Egypt and Senegal missing a penalty. I think Saudi Mane um, missed that. So very, very interesting. And for me, you know, hopefully, you know, back in Ismail Assar, Senegal can go on and win the game. And But obviously, Egypt are are dangerous. They, they have Mohamed Salah. So, you know, who knows what's yeah. going to happen. But I will keep you updated um, as and when as and when something happens during the game. I look forward to it, mate. Hopefully we hear about Ismail Assar on the on, on the on the podcast and uh, I'll be buzzing for him because he's, <laughs> he must have been gutted when he picked up that injury. No, NAFCON was round the corner and luckily he's came back. He's, he's managed to play. He's managed to get a goal for them as well. Um, so it's good to see that he's starting as well. It's only going to help Watford that he's getting minutes under his belt at this point in the, the season when we need him to come back and hit the ground running in a couple of weeks time. Um, he's going to be a new player, isn't he? When he comes back to Watford games, Oh, I hate that saying, you know, whenever someone says, oh, it's going to be like a new signing, it's going to be like a new player. He, he is our player. He is our player. Yeah. Um, I, do have a, I do have a question back to you, though, Ben, because I've been thinking about this uh, for the last couple of days. Obviously, there was so much controversy around, you know, should Ismail Assar go out to, to AFCON or not? Um, but I actually think it was the right decision. Obviously, Watford wanted to keep him, which is fair enough, because he is our player. We, we pay his wages. But actually, he's played a couple of matches. He's getting back up to sharpness. He's with his national team. He could go on to win the tournament. I think actually, um, you know, we we took the right decision to let him go. So for me personally, Ben, I'm 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 happy he's gone and, and happy I'm happy he's starting today. Yeah, no, same. I'm I'm happy that he's playing. I'm I think it's only going to benefit Watford. I, when he picked up that injury against Manchester United, I did worry because I know there was a lot of talk about Ismail Assar maybe leaving at the end of the season. And he would probably go for a, a big price tag. And I thought, oh, he's picked up a big injury now. How long of a season is he going to miss? Is that going to affect his his transfer fee at the end of the season if a club comes in? Because obviously he would have had a big injury against him as well. Um, would that price tag come down a lot? But luckily he's came back quite early. He's featuring for his country of African Cup of Nations. He's scored. Hopefully he comes back, hits the floor running with Watford, gets another few goals, and that price tag hasn't really dropped because we all know he's too good for Watford. We know he's going to move on to bigger and better things probably at the end of the season. So, and if he does, he gets my blessing because he has been a good servant for the club. He could have left Watford a couple of occasions now. He could have left um, Liverpool a couple of transfer windows ago in January. He could have left Watford when we got relegated down to the Championship. And he stuck with us. Uh, fair play to him. He's a young lad. He's got his head screwed on. I think he's got the right people around him as well who are not trying to make him force a move with Watford. They're like, no, you, you just stay here, knuckle down, and you, your time will come for a big um, opportunity out of a bigger club. So, Fingers crossed, um, he comes back to Watford and just bangs in those goals for us because we do need him. And I do feel there's no coincidence that we haven't won a game without Ismail Assar uh, since his 
he's been injured. Um, he's so vital to what the team, the way he stretches defences, he panics for defenders when he's up against them because of his pace. Um, and he's lethal in front of goals as well. So, it, and it, it's not just goals he contributes, it's assists as well. And it is, his work rate's improved a lot this season as well. So, he's a big player for Watford. So, I, I'm, I'm glad he's picking up minutes now and hopefully he'll be back soon. Well, He'll be back for the Brighton game, won't he? Because it'll be too soon of a time for West Ham game. It's going to be Brighton um, after this game. But um, yeah, I'm feeling we've gone a little bit off topic. So I'm going to go <laughs> back a bit to the um, the penalty shout in that first half, James. Yeah. Um, people watching on YouTube, I can see there's there's a picture um, behind us in our background and it's of the situation of what the players crowding um, the referee um, pleading to Go look at the monitor. Um, go look at VAR. It, it happened seconds before the first half whistle. The ball came to Ken Semmer. He went to get the ball back across the box, and there was a. It hit um, Connor Roberts' outstretched arm. And for me, I'll I'll come to you first to see if you think it's a penalty or not, James. Because I I don't. Yeah, I'll, I'll give my opinion in a bit. Do you think it was a penalty? Okay, so obviously it's a very, very difficult one. I mean, for me, you know, I don't, I personally don't think it was deliberate. Now, you know, people may may say I'm an idiot, but I think the ball was so close to him. Um, I don't think he really had had the chance to move his hand out of the way. I think in, I think it was a Manchester United game a couple of days ago. There was a very, very similar incident where was it deliberate was it an accidental handball and you know whether it's yeah. deliberate or accidental that that then determines what the next decision is um i don't think it was deliberate um however obviously i would have much rather we got the decision the Watford players were very adamant it was a penalty var checked it um and determined it it was not um and i don't know what what the reason was for that i don't know whether whether they explained it on commentary or not but Obviously, I'd want the decision to go Watford's way, but from an unbiased perspective, um, I don't think it, it... It did hit his hand, clearly. I, w- I would say that. However, um, the ball was so close to him when, you know, there, there was such little distance for the ball to travel. You know, for me personally, it would have been very, very harsh on Burnley. However, I do understand why everyone is very frustrated. Yeah, um, I, I, I agree with you, mate. Um I thought it was very harsh when Manchester City was awarded a penalty the other week against Wolves. If I was a Wolves fan, I would have been absolutely fuming because in my eyes, that's that's no way a penalty. Just like yesterday, I know Watford fans were shouting and screaming, saying it's a penalty. If I was a Watford fan, that happened. If that, if I was a Burnley fan, that, yeah, no. If that happened to Watford, I'd be absolutely fuming if that was awarded against us because... He was half a yard away from Semma. How is he meant to move his hand out of the way of that? He, I know it was a bit of a, it was an unnatural position, but common sense has to come in here. You can't move your arm out of the way there when it's you're in such a close proximity. And I just think it's it's hard for anyone to move your arms down out of the way. I know his back was kind of turning, but there's a reason why it wasn't given on VAR. It's because. Uh, I don't think there was enough in it to. If there was a couple more yards in it, possibly, but it was so close to the player, I would have felt really yeah. harsh. And obviously, we would have loved it to be given, but I would have felt sorry as well for Burnley if that was awarded. Well, I think I think VAR is looking for like a deliberate movement by the defender towards the ball. You know, they always they always say, is, is the player you know within their silhouette? As in, are they within their natural position? I'd, I'd, I'd say he probably was. Um, you know, he didn't. It didn't look to me like he, he, you know, deliberately made that movement towards yeah. the ball to to get it away. Um, I thought it was more reactionary rather than anything because the ball was coming at him so quickly from such a short distance. So, um, and the thing is, it always looks worse when you when you do a still image on the photo, doesn't it? Because then it looks, oh, that's a blatant, that's a blatant handball. But when well, you do it in full motion, we both agree, Ben. It did hit his hand. I think. I think everyone yeah. can see that. Yeah, no, definitely. You can tell it hit his hand. I just think when you slow it down and when you when you pause it on the impact, that always looks absolutely worse than what it is in real time. Because then a still image doesn't tell the whole story, does it? And we've seen this before on 
issues on like red cars with VAR. It's when you slow it down and you 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 pause it on the impact. Yeah, that looks like it's a lead breaker, but it's it's not really. Um, but yeah, VAR. There's so many issues with VAR still. I do think it has improved this season after the the Euro Championship last season. It has improved since last time what we were in the Premier League. But there's, there's still flaws and errors and they they got to sort it out. There's so many creases that need ironing out for me. Um, but unfortunately, Watford wasn't given it or however you, you look at it. Um, but yeah, Watford went in at half-time, nil-nil against Burnley. Um, I would have taken that. Um, like we've said, we would have probably taken a point out, out of this result um, if it was offered to us before the game. So... Definitely take it going in nil-nil at half-time. Uh, Watford started very slowly in the second half. I think it was within 15 seconds. Um, Burnley just hit the crossbar after the wind blew it on to the crossbar from a, <laughs> a web horse um, shot. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what happened. Do you see that, James? It, it had a shot and then it just spun up in the air. And then next minute, I think everyone... I was watching the reactions of the defenders when it went up in the air because Samir got some criticism in the... A pre-match analyst from Martin Keown saying that he's, he's got to be on his toes and he's got to look to react like the ball hasn't gone out of play. And when the ball went up into the air, Samir was just stood there just watching it. And then I was like, come on, be on your toes, just react. And, and then it hit the crossbar. And then the moment it hit the crossbar, you saw um, Samir run after the ball. And I was just like, you can kind of see what Martin Keown was alluding to in it. Because um, it... There's not enough movement sometimes off the ball from what the players to get back into position. But yeah, that that was a weird one how it came off the crossbar. Yeah, it was very weird. I think that you know the weather was absolutely dreadful yesterday. I mean, I was out all day in Milton Keynes and it, it was even breezy there, so I can't imagine what it was like up, up north in Burnley. Um, I thought Ben Foster probably got a bit got got a bit stranded as well. He, he was kind of ball watching a lot, and I think you know as you say, Ben, um, Watford defenders are, are very very you know well known to to kind of watch the ball but but not do much about it um but look you know it hit the bar you know web course did did cause us some problems he's big he's six foot six he's strong it was his debut he wanted to score he come very very close there um with a little bit of help from the weather but but you know obviously you know it hit the bar um Watford got off a bit lucky there but you know I'm, I'm not too fast I moved on from that very very swiftly um and actually you know f- throughout the second half I, th- I think Watford played played well you know all things considering um you know the weather you know Burnley trying to frustrate the game break break it up we couldn't really string more than five six passes together at a time um so you know I thought I thought we dealt defensively with Burnley you know relatively well obviously apart from that web course instant where you know he, he got touched on the ball got a shot away deflection onto the bar um that was really the only moment in the match where I thought you know we're in a bit of trouble here but apart from that incident um you know I, I felt largely comfortable I'd say with with the Watford defence yeah I felt like we rode for storm um because I don't think Burnley really offered too much I think we dealt with uh Weghorst and Corney really well um considering we was going into the game going to court our defence against those two what's going to happen uh, but I thought we actually we did really well, and I, I think it helps when the def- our defence got that support from our midfield. I thought KMB was good again; it was breaking up play. I do think when he went off though and Cleverly came on, Cleverly had a bit of a shocker, and I, I do like Tom Cleverly. We've all said about it before how he's a workhorse and that, but he looks a bit leggy lately, and he doesn't really look up to scratch for me. And I think that kind of weakened us when Tom Cleverley came on. Um, but Watford, like you say, James, we did have a better chances in that second half or in the game, actually. Um, Joe Pedro had that header from the Kushka's cross. Well, um, I could have done better with that as well. I think, you know, he got above definitely. his man. Uh, he just needed to put it either side of the keeper, really, and, you know, headed it straight to the keeper. And, you know, on yeah. another day, that, that would have gone in. And, you know, that kind of reminded me of, of the goal he scored against Newcastle. You know, ball whipped in, Joe Pedro gets his head on it. Um, I was expecting yeah. that to, to go into the back of the net, but, you know, unfortunately um, it wasn't to be. But but as you say, you know, it's good that, that Pedro is getting into them positions. And at the moment, I think Pedro is is pretty much carrying this this Watford team. His ability is there for everyone to see. Um, and as we discussed earlier, when, when Saar comes back, when Dennis comes back, you know, our attack 
you know, surely Ben, it's you know one of the best attacks in you know that bottom five, six teams in the table. It's it's got to be. We've got such you know good good quality players there. It's just the, the defence that that we've had problems with this season, which hopefully um, Roy Hodgson is going to solve. And Roy Hodgson for me has just got to get the balance right between defence and attack. I think yeah. under Ranieri, um, we were very much focused on pressing, pressing high, um, trying to win the ball back and counter attacking. Whereas under Roy Hodgson. Um, I'm hoping he can still utilise that attacking talent while, while keeping that defensive balance. So I do think it's going to be interesting to see how how we set up when Ismail Assar and um, and Dennis do return. You know, next to next to João Pedro and Joshua King. And I think that's what gives us a good chance of staying in this division. Still, James, I think it's about that balance, isn't it? It's about keeping the clean sheets. I know you're not going to keep a clean sheet in every game in the Premier League, but there's a good chance you'll probably keep a clean sheet every every three games maybe and if you manage to do that and you, you score goals up the upper end of the pitch it gives you a good chance and I do think we have a better attackers in the club and probably the bottom five teams in the Premier League I think we've got better attackers and I think we've scored more goals than all of the bottom five at the moment as well so I will say James as well going back to that Joe Pedro header if that fell to Emmanuel Dennis that's in the back of the, head, back of the net because you've seen how he, he's finished with headers this season he gets a good connection on it. I don't know if the, the weather conditions affected Joe Pedro's um, ability to get his head onto that and get a proper connection onto it. But I, I imagine if Emmanuel Dennis was on the end of that, that would have been one near Watford. But like you say, it's, we, we've got the players coming back. Emmanuel Dennis missed the game through suspension. He'll be back for West Ham game Tuesday night. We've got Ismaila Saar coming back. He'll probably be um, back for a Brighton game, whether it'll be on the bench or starting, we don't know, but that's going to be brilliant for Watford. And if we can get that balance, get our defence right, and it looks like we've, we're on the way of getting that defence, well, get, getting it right, because it has been better than the Norwich game. It, it much better improvement. Um, we actually defended as a unit. Um, there was no individual errors, um, and it just looks more solid. And you can I've been reading bits of a week about saying how Roy Hodgson is as a manager and that, and I've seen a lot of praise about being a man, like a man manager, like talking to everyone in the, the defence individually and letting them know what your role is in this defence and what he expects of you. And he's gone through the whole back four talking to him and he's gone to Samir, he's gone to Kafka, he's gone to Kiko, he's gone to... Um, Kamara and he's like told them how vital they are to this Watford team and their, their role and what he expects of them and I think we haven't had that before with Claudio Ranieri and like telling them what they have to do in that defence what your job is to do is to keep the ball out of the back of the net and no mistakes from here on in and I think we're starting to see that I know it's early days with Roy Hodgson but He's got a good record that he had at Palace, at Fulham, at West Brom, at keeping sides up in this division and keeping them organised and, and keeping that um, shape of a side. And I don't think we've had a good shape to the team at all this season, really. Even early stages um, at the start of the season, um, even when Cisco was here. But now it looks like, I know it's just one game in, I'm saying it's early days, James, but Roy Hodgson's given us hope, hasn't he? He's given us hope to believe that I know it's a big task, but we've probably got the best man in the job to try and keep us in the division, haven't we? Well, I'm going to be slightly different to you. I'm not getting too excited yet. I think, <laughs> obviously, Burnley is, is a difficult game, but, you know, Burnley, I think, are the lowest scorers in the division. I think they've had the most <laughs> nil-nil draws this season. So it was to, to be expected that, that the game was going to be a low-scoring game and it did end nil-nil ultimately. Um, so obviously, you know, in terms of keeping a clean sheet, I think if you are going to keep a clean sheet, you'll probably do it against Burnley as they have had issues um, scoring goals this season. I do think you're right, though, Ben. I do think that, you know, from, from what we saw against Burnley, we did look a lot more defensively solid. I am a little bit concerned how we're going to fit all, all of our players into the team if we yeah. continue with four three three. Um, if we continue with the four 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 system, four four two system, sorry, um, because we've got Imran Loser um, back from Afcon, obviously. Uh, and then we mentioned Ismail Assar and Emmanuel Dennis. And, you know, one of the attacking players will probably have to drop out. Do you go with a Musa Sissoko, um, Imran Luza midfield two, and then have Ismail Assar on the right, Dennis on the left? But that means Kuchka's then dropped to the bench. So 
there's a lot of different variations of, of team we could go for. And I think Hodgson's probably um, just going to do it on, on a game-to-game basis. You know, what 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 does the what um, threat does, does the team pose we're coming up against? These are the players we should put in to, to counter that threat because we've got so many talented players at our disposal. I mean, Dan Gosling's even been left out of the out of the Premier League squad. So, you know, yeah, we've got a lot of players. That one, yeah, it's, it's very interesting that that has been left out. But to be honest, you know, he, he wasn't picked under Zisco, really, under Ranieri. And obviously, you know, that that, ha- that someone had to be left out. And ultimately, um, it, it was Dan Gosden. So I, th- I think the point I'm trying to make is, is you know, we've got a lot of talented dispo- um, players at our disposal. Um, and, you know, obviously, we've got West Ham Tuesday, Brighton Saturday. I think we could see two completely different teams in the games because of because of the depth and, and, the, and the talent we've got at the club. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's going to be difficult to fit these players into a Roy Hodgson 4-4-2. Um, I think there's going to be players who's going to be left out and going to be on the bench. But um, looking at the, the Watford squad on paper, they look like we've got the players for a good 4-3-3 formation. But performances-wise, it hasn't looked like that. Attacking-wise, the front three, superb. But the rest of the team... And you, it's a team game and you have to play as a team. You can't just be like, right, we've got outstanding front three players. You play and hopefully we outscore the oppositions. It doesn't work out like that majority of the time. Um, you have to perform as a team and you've got to have that defensive unit and structure. Um, so I, I can see why Roy Hodgson's gone to a 4-4-2. We've seen it under Javi Gracia before as well. And, and it worked under Javi as well. Uh, remember when Will Hughes was playing on the left of midfield, wasn't he? But he was tucking in and making it narrow and making it defensively solid as that unit. And I think Watford, since Javi's days, in the Premier League especially, we haven't been that tight in defence. Um, so it's interesting to see that Roy Hodgson has brought this back to Watford and Look, I don't mind a 4 2 It's very old school, but it, it, it makes you solid. It makes you harder to break down. And that's what um, Sean Deutsch said yesterday. He was saying he wasn't too sure what Watford he was going to get against um, yesterday with Roy Hodgson. He knows what kind of formations Roy Hodgson's played in the past, but he didn't know how Watford was exactly going to line up. And he, he mentioned the 4 2 and about how difficult it made Burnley to break Watford down with Watford playing at 4-4-2 so it's going to be interesting to see going forward because obviously like you say Imran Loser I think he's brilliant in that three-man midfield but does he really fit into a 4-4-2 if he does fit in James how how do you fit Imran Loser into a 4-4-2 who do you play next to him do you put him as the deeper of the the midfield or uh, it's going to be difficult um, I don't even think you necessarily put him centrally. I think if you play Imran Loser in, in the four four two system, I think maybe um, you put him on on you know playing playing as almost like a right midfielder. How how will he use like Krishna Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think maybe you go maybe Sizopo Kuchka Loser, um, and then maybe yeah. play Semer or, or Dennis out on the left and Joshua King Pedro up front. But then again, where does Saar fit in? So. You know, this is this is why I'm not Watford manager because, quite frankly, I, I haven't <laughs> got a clue what to do really. Um, ideally, you know, I do like the four-three-three system. It is my favourite system, favourite system in football. I, I'd like to keep it, um, but as you say, it's quite evident that defensively, it's just not helping us at all. And as soon as we switch to this four-four-two system against Burnley, we suddenly keep a clean sheet. So. You know, I, I, I'd assume, you know, Roy Hodgson will, will keep that system because he's seen that, you know, we did get the clean sheet and, you know, largely we, we weren't weren't really threatened that much defensively. I think Burnley's only real chance, um, you know, in the game come via Maxwell Cornet and, and that was a shot from, from distance. So, you know, that was just us forcing Burnley to, to take long shots, essentially. So, you know, I, I thought it was a good defensive performance and, you know, it's just it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how we set up going forward. But as I say... I like the four three three, but if we stick with the four four two, it's up to Roy, you know, where, where, where he puts our players. Well, one player who won't be featuring in a four four two for Watford or in any formation for Watford this season now is Ozan Tufan, James. Um, the season-long loan from Fenerbahce has been terminated by mutual consent. The Turkish midfielder made nine appearances for Watford in all competitions after arriving in August. 
Um, he arrived obviously in the summer after Watford were trying to field, fill that gap of um, Hughes and Chalaba leaving. And we was kind of like panicking, weren't we? We, we got Kushka in for, for like the 34-year-old Savakian. And then we brought in two fans as well. We, was like, we just need centre midfielders. Who are we going to get? Who's available? So we got these people in and it just didn't work out for um, two fans. The, the Turkish um, supporters really um, pulled the walls over our eyes, didn't they, when they said he was the, the Turkish Pogba. Um, I've seen a few people saying he was more like the top uh, Turkish Pombet. Um, <laughs> he, he wasn't good, was he, James? He's probably one of the worst signings Watford have had in recent years. Uh I agree. I think he's been absolutely uh, terrible when his play effort levels are low. Fitness levels are obviously very low as well. Um, I don't know what's happening behind the scenes, uh, but, you know, watching Fitness him levels, this- James, just quickly. Do you remember when he came to Watford? He, he, he like, went through an intense um, training camp at Undanese. Or he, he shifted a couple of pounds. What on earth happened to him when he, came, he was at Watford? Because it looks like he put about two, three stone back on. Well, <laughs> I don't know what they're feeding our players in, in the canteen, but apparently what, I, I read some Turkish article. I, I basically translated it to English via Google Translate. And apparently I was going to say, do you speak Turkish, James? <laughs> no, un- unfortunately not. But, you know, in this article I was reading, apparently he lost seven, seven eight kilograms while, while he was at Watford. So he actually lost weight while he was at the club. Um Look, I think I think with Ozan too, fan, that it's just one of these, you know, not every signing works out ultimately, because if every signing worked out, Watford would be top of the Premier League. So, you know, obviously, you know, it, it didn't work out for Watford. Um, it obviously was, you know, a, a panicked, you know, buy, if you will. I, I don't think we necessarily, you know, I don't think he was necessarily our, our first choice midfielder to bring in. I would have much rather we spend the money on renewing Will Hughes' contract, um, putting the money into that. But again, for whatever reason, they didn't do that. I'm a little bit concerned, though, Ben, because I presume you've seen on Twitter these reports about there's still some clause in in the contract where if Watford stay up, we we still have to buy him for seven million euros. I don't know if that's still active or if Watford have potentially negotiated that. But I I am a little bit concerned about if we do stay up in the Premier League, that Ozantu fan, you know, will be returning to Watford for for seven million euros. I, I really hope that that does not happen. Yeah, I hope it doesn't happen as well. Um. Watford recruitment, if, if that happens, they've had an absolute mare to sign a player where you've ended up terminating the loan halfway through the season because of his performances have then ended up to pay that fee at the end of the season still if you stay in the division. Ugh, whoever's sanctioned that needs sacking. Um, I mean, we'd, we'd, have to, we'd have to pull up some like scam or, or fraud line and, you know, claim, you know, get get up, <laughs> get some lawyers involved and because, yeah, I mean, what what an awful deal. That, that would probably be the worst deal, the worst transfer, you know, deal I've, I've ever seen. If if Ozan Tufan rocks up to Watford next season, I would not believe it. I would literally, I would, I would probably just, just lie in bed and cry. Like, honestly, I do not want to see um, Ozan Tufan in the Watford shirt again. I just, I, I don't know what, I don't know what the problem with him was because he never, the thing is, he never really he done anything. Hyped, didn't he? It was all hyped up. I don't know whether we're false expectations, but he never actually did anything majorly wrong, though. Like, he never really made a massive mistake. He never really... He, he, was, he was just a bit meh, you know. For he me, just he, he never looked interested from the, the moment he was here. He, the games just passed him by. He could never get, like, a foot on the ball and, like, take control of the game or do anything. Like, the composure on the ball, like... I say this now, James, this is the last time I, I watched a player on YouTube when we were announced a signing because he looked absolutely phenomenal. And then he just rocks up and he's just like, who's this guy? <laughs> yeah, but I think I think if we watched some highlights of you playing football, Ben, you'd probably look like Ronaldinho. And then when we actually watch... I am Ronaldinho, mate. Right? You, you, you are Ronaldinho, are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. I'll probably look no. like... Um, I don't know, just, yeah, probably two fans to be fair, but, yeah. <laughs> Highlights are very deceiving, Let, let's, let's just leave it as that. Yeah, no, definitely, I agree. Um, and just quickly, before we wrap up the pod, um, we're playing the game Tuesday night. Um, it's away at the London Stadium against David Moyes, West Ham. Um, they've had a good start to the season so far, but they had a scare on Saturday against Kidderman, Sir Harriers. 
Uh, they were 1-0 down to like the 93rd minute and then Declan Rice managed to score a good goal. And then at the end of it, added on time at extra time, they scored again to break the hearts of Kidderminster fans in the FA Cup. And they went through 2-1 um, winners in the, the end and now they're through to the fifth round of the FA Cup. But I don't know if you saw, James, when they lined up for that game, they rested a few key players. Um, it, it was a weakened West Ham side. I know a few players started, like uh, Jared Bowen started, um, and then Diop at the back, and I think Cresswell as well. Um, but other than that, it was all like fringe players, and then they brought Rice off the bench and other players to try and get back into the game. So it looked like they kind of had one game on the West Ham game Tuesday night. Um, what are you expecting Tuesday against West Ham? Because obviously they've started the season so well. And look, a couple of years ago, we was in a relegation battle with them, and they could have gone down if... Um, we if we stayed up, it was us, Villa and West Ham, wasn't it? It was that final team to get relegated and Watford went down. And since then, West Ham have pushed on. They got into the Europa League. And this season, they look like they're trying to get to that next level and maybe get in Champions League football. So they're doing brilliant this season, aren't they, James? Yeah, they're doing very, very well. I'm really impressed with David Moyes. Actually, obviously had a tough time at Manchester United. Tough time at Everton as well. Um, but I think West Ham, you know, seems to be seems to be his club. He's doing a fantastic job there. His recruitment's amazing. I think with West Ham as well, they, they give, you know, pretty much David Moyes free reign over recruitment. He can go out and, and buy who he wants and, and the owners don't really quibble about that. Whereas at Watford, it's more of the owners recruiting for the manager rather, rather than the manager recruiting for himself. So I think that's a key aspect in, in, terms, of, in, in terms of that as well. Um, of course, it's going to be a difficult game. I mean, you know, you, you could argue, you know, West Ham are now, you know, a top eight, top six side even. If they get Champions League football this season, they'll kick on even more from that. So I am very, very concerned. I know a lot of Watford fans are, are very confident going into the game. Um, and I usually am quite confident. Who? However, <laughs> um, Who's however, confident? <laughs> however, Ben, unfortunately today, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to bring any confidence to, to my school prediction. I, I do think that it's going to be so, so tough for Watford. We're going to the London Stadium, massive crowd. Um, Declan Rice is superb. I love him so much. Um, they've, got, they've got fantastic players and I think it's going to be a really, really tough test for Watford. So unfortunately, I do think we will lose the game. I think Dennis returning is, is going to be a key factor for us. I think he'll, he'll add something different to our attack. He's, he's had a rest as well, so I think that's positive. Um, but it's going to be very, very tough. So I can only, unfortunately, see a Watford loss. Um, however, like Burnley, I would take a draw. Um, but, you know, you can only take draws for so long before you have to start winning games. So, you yeah. know, it's going to be tough. So I'd, I'd take a nil-nil draw, but, you know, ideally I'd love to win the game. Yeah, it's going to be tough for Watford in the next upcoming fixtures as well. Like I know you're saying you can only take draws for a certain amount of games, but Watford's like next, let's say about six games. It's like we've got West Ham away. Um, Tuesday night, then we've got Brighton at home Saturday. Then the following Saturday, we're away to Aston Villa, who looked decent under Steven Gerrard. Um, then Watford, the rearranged fixture with Crystal Palace now, is on Wednesday, the 23rd of February, um, at home at Vicarage Road under the lights. And then we're away to Manchester United at the end of the month. And then we're the first fixture in uh, March, we're at home to Arsenal. So there's tough games there. So you, like you say, you can only take ga- um, points for as, as as long as you can. It's it's going to be difficult. Um, I would personally take a point away at West Ham if you offer it to me now. I don't think we're going to get three points. I think it's going to be a really tough game. But if Rory sets us up exactly the same like we did against Burnley, I'm, I'm not expecting us to outplay West Ham. I'm not expecting us to get much out of it. I just wanted to see another committed performance, another game where we're actually trying and put bodies on the line. And I, I do think it's it's not impossible to get a point at, at West Ham. Uh, who knows, if you keep it tight and maybe you can nick, nick one up the other end towards the end of the game, I would take that all day long. But like you say, James, Emmanuel Dennis is back. I imagine he, he would start. But who who would he come in for? For me, I would maybe look to take Ken Semmer out the side, uh, maybe put Joe Pedro on the left of the 4-4-2, and then you've got um, Emmanuel Dennis and Josh King as the two, because I, I think it will probably stick with a 4-4-2 for West Ham. Uh, what do you reckon, James? 
Yeah, I do, I do think it was, it was stick with the four four two. I think I think he would have seen enough against Burnley to to suggest he is stick with, stick with that formation. Um, as I said earlier, I think the four four two is limited in terms of how many attacking players you can put on the pitch because with the four four two, you know, normally you'd have four. Um, you know, central midfielders in 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 the forward midfield. Essentially, you wouldn't normally put you know a right winger or, or a left winger in there. So I do think someone will have to drop out potentially. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm I'm struggling to answer your question, Ben, because it's it's so so difficult as as to what Roy's going to do. I think when Saar comes back, I'll be even more you know baffled as as to what yeah. we're going to do. But there's only you know two two striking positions essentially, and then you've got. You know, two wide positions, which you can either, you know, put a Cleverly in there or a Loser in there, or you can put a Saar in there or a Dennis in there. So it depends really on the game. If you want to go more attacking, more defensive. Um, obviously, he, he can change the formation mid-game. Isn't There's nothing stopping Roy from doing that. But, yeah, it's just it's going to be interesting. And, you know, hopefully whatever Roy goes with, um, hopefully we'll, we'll get the win regardless. Exactly. Well, Roy's got us all behind him. We're all backing him all the way. It's been a positive start under Roy Hodgson. We've got our first point under Roy Hodgson. We've got our first clean sheet of the season. Um, I was was thinking earlier that last time Watford had a clean sheet, um, I didn't have a daughter. And now she's um, 17 months old. Uh, So it just shows how long uh, it's been since Watford have had a clean sheet in the Premier League. Uh, But yeah, that's it for for another um, podcast of a Voices of Vic. Um, tonight, it's just been me and James. Um, next week, we're hoping to be um, have a third member on with us, um, but we'll re- reveal details uh, near the time. Um, me and James will also be back to hopefully discuss the Watford West Ham games midweek. Um, well, we might, yeah, we thank might you. potentially be joined by by Mr. Mike Duffy for that. We're not too sure yet, but, but Mike might I'm not on for that. Yeah, potentially with Mike Duffy, but I'm not getting my hopes up, Mike, um, James. <laughs> We've seen what Mike's been like, like lately, so I, I'm not um, getting too excited about it. I'm I'm just preparing myself for just you and me. If Mike comes along, that's a lovely surprise, and it'll be good to hear that Birmingham accent again. But, yeah, I'm not counting my chickens just yet. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But yeah, if, if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to like and subscribe the video. And if you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, don't forget to give us a rating. I've seen on Spotify you can actually give us a rating. Now, it used to be just Apple Podcasts, but you can do it on Spotify now. So yeah, make sure you're giving us those five stars. And yeah, me and James will be back later on in the week, um, hopefully to discuss a Watford point, a Watford three points. I just don't want to discuss as a thief. Um, but yeah, thanks thanks for listening, guys, and we'll catch you later. Come on, you Orleans. Sports Social Podcast Network.